make your fall fabulous at Mount Airy Lodge or Pocono Gardens. Do all the things you've wanted to do all summer, all day, all night. Winter, spring, summer, fall. Call 966-7210 for reservations at Pocono Gardens and beautiful Mount Airy Lodge. Hello and welcome to Mountain Comics. I'm your host, Rob Kelly, and this is the show where I look back at the comic books I bought while on vacation in the Pocono Mountains of Pennsylvania in the 1970s and 1980s. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Joining me in the cabin this month is fellow network all-star, Sean M. Myers. Hi, Sean. Hello, Rob. I can't believe it took so long to get you on the show. I, I thought you had done it before. And then I look back, I'm like, no, he wasn't in season one. No, no, season two, season three. <laughs> so for some reason, we've done so much podcasting together that I just naturally assumed you had done this show. But this is your your debut on Mountain Comics. So again, thank you for being here. I love the cabin, but <laughs> I, I'm not quite ready for my Robbie coat because it's so warm here in the cabin. So I didn't <laughs> I didn't want the coat yet. So I so that I'll get later. Well, that's that kind of brings up uh, the, the thing I wanted to ask you about. By the way, everybody, if you saw the show notes, we're here to talk about Superman Family, number 192. And, of course, when I realized that that book was on my Mountain Comic list, there was only two people that I could have asked, which, of course, would have been you, Sean, or your Batman Family Reunion co-host, Paul Ken, who was on the show just last season. So I gave you the nod. But the minute I saw the word family... I was like, well, there we go. I got I to have him do this. Uh, the thing about the coat is it leads into what I want to ask you about is, you know, I listened to you on Batman Family Reunion. It's a great show on the Fire and Water Podcast Network. And if I'm not incorrect, uh, you have something like this in your background, but it's not exactly vacation comics, right? Correct. Yes. So uh, every year at Christmas time, we uh, so we had like a, a real fireplace in our basement. Um, it was like bricked and they had, um, little like spaces in front of the fireplace that we would put the firewood and that was all bricks. So when we were kids, we would hang our stockings beside the fireplace. And then the first thing we would do is rush to our stockings and we would stand on that little brick, whatever fire log enclosure. And then we would always have our picture taken with our stockings in our hands, um, on Christmas. Now, when I say stockings, like these stockings, I mean, they were regular, you know, like Santa stockings, the red with the white trim and our names in like glitter glue. On <laughs> I had that too. Yeah. yeah but, yeah. but these stockings were like completely filled like over to the brim with just little toys and doodads and, you know, little presents. But the great thing was every year for, I don't know, three, four, five, six, seven years, I always got comics in my stockings and it was like two, three or four, five, six comics that, and, and it's so great. And I remember most of them that I've gotten and it really is analogous to your mountain comics, except I would call them uh, like stocking comics. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Christmas comics. Now, now none, none of them were really like, I don't really remember getting Christmas related comics. In oh, the so the comics because, weren't Christmas related, but right, that's because when you got them. Really. By that time, I would have, you know, I, the, the Christmas with the superheroes, like the treasuries and that kind of stuff. Like I would have gotten them earlier, but you know, like probably mom would just buy quote unquote random comics and put them in the, in my stocking. And I always loved that. That's awesome. Now, did your mom 
I mean, she meant well, but what was her batting average? Do, you know, did she tend to find stuff that she oh, knew you liked, or yeah, was probably. it uh, you know, Richie Rich and uh, you know, well, but even, even that, <laughs> fighting like, army. I, what am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> well, yeah, so I wouldn't have liked our fighting army. <laughs> Richie Rich would have been more than fine. Um, the Har- the Harveys. Uh, it was almost always DC. Like occasionally there would be a Marvel, and and that was fine. Um, and it's not like. I'm not like some like angelic little child who like appreciated the gift that mom got them. <laughs> it's just that she did a good, cause if it would have been a crappy one, I, pr- I guess I would have still said thank you, but I would have rolled my eyes or definitely <laughs> thought like, oh, but I don't really remember any of those like negative. I think she did like a fantastic job. That's good. That's excellent. I can, I can remember many years ago, many, obviously this was a child. But uh, we had a uh, my parents had a, a family friend who we would go visit. And, you know, I was a little kid, so I got dragged along. And the husband of this couple knew I liked comics and would buy would occasionally you know, have comics waiting for me when I got there, which was awesome, of course. And after he did it a couple of times, I became, you know, anticipatory, you know, like, oh, I think he's going to get, you know. And then so one time I showed up and he bought me three comics and. It was like, I can't remember what the second book was, but the they were both of the three. Two of them were gold key, and one was like a Woody Woodpecker, which I didn't care about, you know? And then the second one was similar to that. It was like gold key, Petunia Pig or something. I was like, oh, my God. But then the third one was Fantasy Masterpieces, where that issue of, of Silver Surfer, where he takes on Thor, with that great drawing by John Buscema, where Surfer's <laughs> flying. Like, it's like, oh my God. It's, I might have like thrown the other two to the, onto the floor because I was so excited about the third one. And it was sort of like, how did I think back on it now? And I'm like, why did he think that those two, I was, you know, like, he gets me Silver Surfer, <laughs> but then Porky Pig? Like, why, why did what he think I want that? But, you know, hey, one out of three. I was still happy with it. So. <laughs> so now do you still have any of those comics i think i do um so it's definitely um like a few of them i have uh just recently like within the past year i remember one of the comics being a superman comic and a villain holding superman upside down i think like over a building and he flew out of his boots and for the life of me i couldn't remember what issue and i went online i guess to one of the facebook DC Comics groups, and I asked if anyone remembers it, and they told me what it was, and I went on eBay and got it. There you go. But I think some of them I, I do still have, because I still have some comics from when I was a kid. That's awesome. Well, uh, you know, I mean, this once we get to the end of this recording, uh, this show will serve as a backdoor pilot to either <laughs> Superman Family Reunion or Stocking Comics, whichever show you want to start up, uh, Sean. Not, not, to, not to tip my hand, but I will repeat the uh often often the the <laughs> phrase i say so often i love superman family uh i will listen to a superman family podcast i will subscribe to a superman family podcast i hope i'm invited on to be a guest on the superman family podcast but i will not be doing the superman family podcast. all right you say that now but you're not at the end of you know you just started the detective comics part of them and family still got a bit to go but okay well maybe Maybe this experience that we're about to have together will be so enjoyable that you'll change your mind and you'll go back and you'll talk to Paul and you say, you know, Paul, I think I've changed my mind about this. So we'll we'll see everybody. I hope I am inspiring the future generation 
to do the Superman Family Ties podcast. Okay. All right. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> uh, so, okay. Well, we're here to talk about, as I mentioned, Superman Family number 192. It was on sale August 17th, 1978. So what I, I would have just turned seven when this book came out. And uh, did you ever buy Superman Family at all uh, regularly when you were a kid or even even at all ever? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Um, so definitely. Oh, I actually have a funny story about. Um, so definitely the dollar comics. Um, I didn't have right. any of the issues before they turned into the dollar comics. Um, I had a, I had a fair amount. I would say, at the very least, a quarter of the Superman family titles. Um, maybe up to a half, maybe. Um, but when I started going to comic book shops and getting and just buying old issues, I went back and got a. a vast bulk of the Superman family. And I was missing probably like maybe 14 or 15 of them. And luckily my bat cousin, Paul had a bunch that he was going to get rid of getting sold. So he asked me which issues I need. So he gave me the ones that I didn't have. So I do now have a complete collection of the Superman family. Um, I'm reading them now. Um, I'm right into where, um, it turned from Jimmy Olsen into the Superman family. So I'm, I think like the second or third issue into that. Oh, wow. Okay. But, right. but my funny story about the Superman family is, um, so Superman family reached uh, issue number 200 and there was a, an ad, like a full page ad in DC comics. Oh yeah. About, the, well. about the 200. And like down at the bottom, I guess it pro- like in, you know, one of those little bursts, I think it said something like reserve your copy at the newsstand today. <laughs> and for whatever reason in my kid mind, I th- <laughs> guess I thought that you had to reserve it at the newsstand. <laughs> so I asked my mom to call over to Uffelman's newsstand in Spring Grove and ask to reserve it. And God bless mom because she did. And then I still remember, uh, so I guess dad, dad worked at the paper mill and I guess, I think he brought it home because like, uh, paper clipped to the issue was like a handwritten message that said like, Joy, I believe this is the issue that Sean wants. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to wonder what was the reaction of the news vendor yeah, when he got that call. Yeah, I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all, all of us old enough to remember comic books being bought on newsstands, they were not treated. With the <laughs> utmost care by their sellers, let's put it that way. All right, so and uh, also, that- and also, I like I probably was at the newsstand like two or three days before that, <laughs> and four or five days after that. So. <laughs> I love how classy DC made that sound. You know, <laughs> reserve your copy like it's a reservation <laughs> at a restaurant. You know, it's just like. Hello, good sir. Might you have the, the the newest New Yorker? Oh, and throw in a Superman family number 200 while you're at I'd it. I'd like Sad Sack 19, please. <laughs> exactly. Do you have uh, Eerie? Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, the one with the naked girl on the cover. Uh, well, that, that's that's awesome. Good Again, good job, uh, Sean's mom. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's his good, good momming. Uh, for myself, I only bought this book sparingly. It was, this was, this one was exactly the kind of time when I would buy it. It wasn't like I was always more of a Batman kid than it was a Superman kid. 
So if I had extra money and I wanted to buy a dollar comic, I would have bought Batman Family, not Superman Family. But I like Superman just fine. So, you know, this and so again, this is the perfect example where I had more money. I had I needed more comics to read. I was like, oh, Superman Family. You know, that's fine. This will work. So um, before we get to the 17 stories in this issue, (laughs) uh, let's talk about the cover. Uh, It's a dollar comic, of course, as we've been talking about, which means it features one of these great wraparound covers. I'm a total sucker for these things. Uh, It's drawn by Ross Andrew and Dick Giordano. The main image is Superman, where he's sort of interacting with the Jimmy Olsen story, but he's also flying out into the back mm-hmm. cover where he's mm-hmm. sort of, you know, he's, he's talking about that there's greater dangers and he's looking at the other stories that are happening. And of course we'll have images on our website, fineWaterPodcast.com. What do you think of this cover? I love it. Um, So I'm debuting a new catchphrase of mine. So if, if listeners of Batman family reunion know, I complain about boxed covers and I need to make a distinction because when I talk about boxed covers, that means there's one image on the cover on the right-hand side, and then, like, you know, like, there's the trade dress, and the but then down on the right-hand side, there's a strip of text with, like, mm-hmm. maybe a logo, but usually it's just, like, who's in that issue. You might get a headshot, maybe, but probably not. It's probably just text and a box. That's the cover. That's what I mean by a boxed cover. Mm-hmm. So this cover, I'm going to call a collage cover, and I love collage covers. So I love this. Like, each... Each story has its own little like like panel, like like a huge panel, and some of them are kind of like in in a in a panel. Some of them are violating the panel borders. Some of them, like the the Superman story from the Krypton, that's not even in a panel at all. And I think it looks really neat. Like it's really like a, a spotlight on each story. Absolutely. Uh, it's well laid out. I mean, Ross Andrew did a million covers for DC. Um, you know, it, it has. It, it's hard to turn down for a dollar the amount of action you're going to see in this. Mm-hmm. And one of its one of the trademarks of a Ross Andrew cover is that it figures, uh, excuse me, features figures in incredibly arcane poses. <laughs> because Ross Andrew was a master at anatomy and he likes kind of showing that off a little bit. And there's not that not a single thing wrong with that because it's really hard. But I mean you've got Superman flying off and then you've got kind of on the over the fold Supergirl upside down as she's getting, you know, uh, she's being subjected to anti-gravity. And then you've got a robot getting tossed over his shoulder by uh, by Nightwing. And one of the things that we learned, uh, I'm going to tell you, everybody, at the Kubert School when I went there, is uh, <laughs> the way you know that your anatomy of a figure is correct is if you draw it and then you turn the page 180 degrees. Does it still look right? Does it still look like recognizable anatomy? If it does, then you've drawn the figure correctly. But if it looks off, then there's something wrong with it. And so I actually, you know, not that I was surprised at this answer, but just for giggles, I got this cover because I have a scan of it here on my computer and I just rotated 180%. And Supergirl looks perfect. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it looks perfect because Russ Andrew knew how to do this stuff. I mean, he probably really cemented it when he was doing spider-man because of course spider-man is twirling around in all these different directions but you know he's perfect for these characters that can fly and can just go into these crazy angles and so yeah it's just a terrific terrific cover beautifully colored the the um you know the the captions are great and you know 68 pages all new for a dollar i mean yeah and you've even got speedy 
on the cover. You're like, what mm-hmm. the hell is Speedy doing in this? So uh, <laughs> it just looks it looks really, really cool. So uh, the opening uh, inside cover, we have a uh, a little front piece by, I believe it's Kurt Schaffenberger, where you've got Superman at kind of like a, um, he's, he's like sort of like at a, I don't know what is he? It's not a carnival. He's at kind I, of I like kinda- a... I kind of think it looks like a carnival barker. I guess he does look like it because he's got a cane and everything else. And yeah. and then, then you've got these pennants and he's explaining all the stories that you're about to get. And so there's a lot to get to here. So let's let's jump right to it. The first story is Superboy. So, Sean, take it away. As the owner of a general store, Pa Kent is always, to be sure, he is well stocked with well-loved beverages like Cherry Coke, Dr. Pepper, and Hawaiian Punch. Unfortunately... He is also the owner of a stomach punch provided by a protection racket. Why isn't Clark protecting his pop? Because he's lugging a huge ice mass from the Arctic Circle to a drought-stricken orange grove, five years before a similar feat appears in Superman 3. Meanwhile, Lana Lang and Pete Ross are discussing her chances to run for student body president while walking home with Clark. Clark finds his father injured, and learns that with grave powers comes grave responsibilities, 16 years after Peter Parker learns a similar lesson. The next day, Superboy interrupts a jerk, roughing up a soda jerk, and is then interrupted from that by a fantastically costumed villain called Stasis. For those who don't listen to Batman Family Reunion, any costume that a male wears that features a Speedo and bare legs is a fantastic outfit in my eyes. Stasis has the power to stop the normal flow of all biological functions and uses that to immobilize Superboy. Stasis puts the weakened Superboy on display in the town square until Lana, Pete, and Ma Kent rise up and start to fight Stasis's underlings. Stasis needs to break his full and entire attention from Superboy, which allows Clark to break free and reverse engineer Stasis's power via a mirror-like car rooftop. What'd you think of it, Rob? Uh, <laughs> I like this a lot. I've never been a big fan of Superboy, just in general. You know, nothing against the character. I just, it just never really resonated with me. Uh, but this was a lot of fun. Mostly, I liked it because of the artwork. Joe mm-hmm. Staten. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a huge Joe Staten fan. Here yep. he's inking himself. I think, I, I think maybe other than Bob Layton, Joe Staten is his own best inker. Um, I didn't realize. Uh, you, you made the comment about the Stasis's costume, which is very, very, uh, you know, village people-esque sort of thing. Um, I do love that helmet with the big prongs on the side of the helmet. That's just cool. And it took me a little bit till I noticed he has like an awesome seventies mustache mm-hmm, mm-hmm. under that thing. So he really kind of fits that, uh, <laughs> sort of seventies. 70s milieu but i mean man the artwork really i just really enjoyed just looking at the the panels i mean i love on what is it page four of the story where superboy is looking out the window at night and it's colored all in blue i mean that's like a batman panel uh and yet it's it's superboy i love when the mob goes loose and like that has some real great energy to it i love on the next page of superboy going i'm free like that's a great panel i like that he draws Superboy in boy anatomy. I mean, yeah, he's still muscular, yes, yes. but he is recognizably a, yep. a teen version of Superman, not just yes. a small Superman, which is yes. not not every artist knows how to do. But do you know what my favorite part of this entire story is, which you, you didn't mention it in your synopsis, luckily? Uh, the fact that he cries? Nope. Oh, thank you. But no, <laughs> it is the splash page 
where we're in uh, the yeah, general yeah. store and we yeah. see that Pa Kent sells comics. <laughs> He's got a rack of comic books. And so on sale in this rack here, uh, I don't know whether that's the work of Joe Staden or it's the letterer Shelley uh, Lieberman, but we see on sale are Sugar and Spike. Awesome. Mystery in Space, Bob Hope, Young Love, Dobie Gillis, and The Fox and the Crow. So I love whoever put those in, obviously had a penchant for the DC Comics. I mean, obviously, this, these stories are set in the past, but I love that there's no superhero comics here. It's all genre stuff. So I, I just was, I was very excited about that. I, I have a weird, I have a weird dichotomy with Superboy. Um, because like generally, I think it doesn't, makes sense at all to have like a superboy character like, I, like no it doesn't like, that's, if, i think that's my thing with them <laughs> if you if you're thinking about like a, a chronological timeline where superboy has been around forever and you know for at least five ten years and then he becomes superman like i don't like that thought at all but i have to admit like i buy Superboy comics all the time. Like I am working on building a Superboy collection. Um I'm almost have a complete collection of the new adventures of Superboy. Um his run like in adventure comics. Uh I have that. Um like a lot of these stories I really, really love. So so it is a weird dichotomy for me where like I I love the actual Superboy stories. And especially when he is like learning things uh, and especially like i love the pa kent pa kent is like one of my favorite characters um very similar to uh on Mashcast, like bj honeycutt like he's such like a like a good stand-up you know wonderful person like i i think it's very much like that um i love that so i guess my love for superboy uh supersedes the fact that i kind of like wouldn't want him to exist if that mm-hmm, makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. No, I, I like the idea of of following young Clark Kent as he's learning about his powers, but there's something about him being super boy, straight up costumed, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that just has never totally sat well with me. And this might be just my own prejudice against this whole concept, but like I feel like if you um if you show like say you have a you know you have a character right that everyone loves and he's popular and then you're like oh well let's see what they were let's see what happened before that basically prequels I guess I don't know why I'm using a roundabout way of explaining it prequels I've always had a tough time with prequels because I feel like it unless you come up with something really amazing mm-hmm. it lessens the specialness of the original story that you were telling like it's yeah. like oh there was this amazing story, but there was also this other amazing stuff that happened. And I'm right, like, well, then right. the second thing is like a little less amazing because it's not so unusual. It's, it's just another chapter. And I know some people feel differently. I will admit like my one micro micron hesitation about strange new worlds is that like, you know, Spock is having all these amazing adventures with Captain Pike. And I'm like, well, okay, but isn't like Kirk supposed to be like his big, you know, like, isn't that the thing? And like here, him and Uhura are out doing stuff. And I'm like, well, it's like, well, now Kirk's just like the next guy, you know, but I love Strange New World so much that I get past. Right. That. Yeah. Yeah. But it's yeah. If they had done the new, if they had done young Clark Kent or young Kal-El learning this stuff and even dealing with villains and crazy stuff. But there's just something about him being Superboy that I never quite cottoned to. But like you say, an individual Superboy story can be great. You know, and an almost, indi- you know, individual 
adventure can be fun. And I never really thought about it until now. Maybe like I can like kind of warp it where Superboy is Earth Two Superman, mm-hmm. like when he was a boy, or you know something. Maybe it's like an alternate Earth version where there was a Superboy. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So I I enjoyed this story perfectly fine. You know. Now, be- uh, now before we leave Smallville, yes. I do want to point out, and uh, listeners may have to Google this because this is not front of mind for anyone, but. Uh, this, the costume of status, which I kind of talked about, like I, I knew I liked it and I knew it was kind of like familiar and I couldn't like place where it's kind of familiar from. And then I realized it looks kind of like the superpowers figure of Cyclotron. <laughs> yes, it does. It's, it's like the green and the yellow and the kind of like that, like open chest. The open chest. Yeah. It does kind of look like him actually. Yeah. There you go. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> he's got, and he's got a similar helmet to a whirlwind. That Marvel villain who could do was like a tornado because he had these prongs on the side <laughs> of his head. So they have a similar thing. But I don't know if Stasis ever appeared anywhere else or this is just his one and done. Uh, I, I have absolutely no idea. So, I, I cannot speak authoritatively, but doesn't he feel like a one and done? He does feel like a one and done. <laughs> he really does. So, all right. Well, let's move on to the next story. Uh, as you say, we're out of small girl, small, smallville, excuse me. And we're on to Supergirl in what goes up. Can't Come Down by Jerry Conway, Arvell Jones, and Romeo Tangle. And this is part two of a continued story. A villain known as the Gravitron Man, who was was an old college friend of Supergirl's, has sicked an anti-gravity ray against the city, causing people and objects to go flying into the air. As Supergirl tries to rescue as many people as she can, we learn that the Maid of Might is caught between a centuries-long feud between two families, one prosperous, one not, with the latter blaming the former for their situation. This has developed into two would-be supervillains, Gravitron Man and Gravity Lord, fighting each other. Supergirl heads to London where she tries to capture Gravitron Man, who has just ta- who has just tangled with the Doom Patrol. As the two villains fight over the Atlantic, Supergirl arrives, causing the two villains to team up against her. All right, Sean, what did you think of this? Uh, I like it a lot, even though it's kind of like a middle story. And, and I haven't read ahead in my Superman family. Like, I was one or two issues into the very beginning, and I jumped all the way up to uh, 192. Um. I like this story a lot. Now, um, a little bit behind the curtain. So before we started recording, I told Rob that I read the stories in the issue three times. And technically that's true. However, the second two times that I read this Supergirl story, I just skipped like that villain flashback. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so it was a little, like little, little eye-rolly. Yeah. I didn't like that at all. Yes. So I, so I skipped that part. But I do like it. Um, One thing, first of all, you were talking about splash pages. I love the splash page. Like, Anytime gravity goes haywire, I just think that's such, it makes for such striking images, mm-hmm. and, and I love it on this one. And it's affecting Supergirl, too. I didn't mention that in synopsis, mm-hmm. but it's like, I mean, she can still fly around, but it actually is buffeting her around, which, of course, adds an extra level of of, of difficulty uh, for her. Um, I love that the, the, um, the showcase iteration of the Doom Patrol is in this, which mm-hmm. would uh, probably not intentional because this is going to end up being sort of like a, a Paul Kupperberg special because those were his, that's what, that was his version of Doom Patrol. And then of yeah. course he would go on very shortly to write Supergirl. So these are kind of all his characters all at once. Uh, Arvel Jones, not like necessarily my favorite artist, but that one panel of, of Gravitron Man in the, uh, in that bunker. 
yeah. that futuristic bunker. Like, oh man, I can only imagine when Romeo Tangel got that to ink. He was like, oh, come on. There's <laughs> <laughs> so much machinery. So Arville Jones was definitely, uh, definitely given his best. So yeah, it, w- it was fun. But as you say, it's a middle chapter. So you're a little like, hmm, well, okay. I'm kind of getting caught up and uh, now I don't know what happens in chapter three, but it, it was perfectly fun. And in, in terms of villain villains, I love the fact that like the villain is an English cousin named Martin. Cause that, that really, <laughs> this story definitely was too dangerous for a girl. <laughs> um, and I think you, I'm surprised you're actually speaking highly of this because even though he appears in one panel, it does have uh, Lucas snapper car. I skipped over that <laughs> on purpose. I don't. I don't feel the need to mention that. <laughs> snapper car. I love snapper car. I know you do. <laughs> so, so I do have a question. So, um, the one of the guys' name is uh Rudy Clement. Yes. Uh, and I think uh, so. Isn't there like some sports guy named Clemente? Is There's it, Roberto uh, Clemente. Roberto Clemente. Okay. Yeah. So I, I wonder, is that like a riff on that? Uh, you know, I have no idea. I don't know. I mean, Roberto Clemente was out of baseball by this point, but he was still pretty famous. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how much of a, of a baseball fan Jerry Conway might have been. I don't know. And I, I completely understand I am not on Batman Family Reunion. However, I do have to say one of the most 70s moments of this issue was when the kid uh talks about uh like she's saving the kids and she he's like gosh supergirl you're even better than the bionic woman yeah <laughs> <laughs> thanks thanks kid i appreciate that okay cool yeah yeah all right we can move on Yes, we're going to move on to Crypto Requiem in the Rain. So I have no idea what's going on here, but Crypto is hanging out with a detective, Ed. And he, the detective, has a nephew, Tommy, who was saved by Crypto. And now he, Tommy, knows that he, the dog named Capper with a K, is really Crypto. He, Tommy, has a friend named Joe Skinner, who really hates landlines, and he, Tommy, has skimmed money from the mob. Crypto is able to track down Tommy because he, Tommy, had a pair of Joe's old shoes, which he, Crypto, is able to use to find him, Tommy, by the scent. They, Ed, Tommy, and Crypto, find him, Tommy, but then all of them are found by a guy from the mob who tells Joe to shoot Ed and Tommy, or he, the mob guy, is going to shoot all three of them. Joe can't. He can't shoot them. And then Crypto stops him, the mob guy, and then Joe decides to turn state's evidence after Ed tells Joe that his, Joe's mother, who I guess must be named Martha, would want him to do the right thing. And then Crypto flies, cries, and then flies away. Um. There you go. First off, I want to say I love crypto. I absolutely love crypto. And I don't know if it's really fair to judge a story when you're reading like the very last part. You know, I'm guessing this probably isn't just like a two or three story line. I'm guessing it's like eight or nine things. But there's a lot of questions. I I don't understand why like crypto kind of like has a secret identity, but then, like, that secret identity is blown, and then, like, he can't 
hang out with Ed anymore? I don't understand that part of it. You know, I mean, look, at the risk of taking any of this too seriously, I, I just can't, I can't square this circle. I just can't. <laughs> Um, I liked it like you. I like the idea of crypto, like a super dog. I think that's perfectly fine. I guess say just separate note. I love crypto's logo. The font mm-hmm. for crypto. Yeah. That is a great font. And I don't think they've ever used it for any other character other than crypto. It has yeah. a vaguely alien kind of look to it, mm-hmm. even though it's, mm-hmm. it's English letters. Um, but I, I just, the idea of, of us seeing what crypto is thinking in, in thought balloons. And then he's, he, he thinks in perfect sentences. I, I just, it to me, it just breaks the goofy meter. You no, know? I, I love that part. Do you really? And I just yes. can. Uh... And let me tell you, uh, I story page three, I absolutely love the fact that crypto is giving side eye. <laughs> I, I want that to be bigger than like the panel of Batman slapping Robin. Like I want, <laughs> I want crypto side eye to happen. Our dog gives us side eye all the time, so I <laughs> I can appreciate that. Uh, there's just there's just something about again. I know that you for him to have some agency and be kind of understanding the plot of what's going on. He can't the word balloon the thought balloons can't be you know. Oh, look out. I'm hungry. You know they can't they they have to be more complete English. But there's just something so weird and and to me creepy about the idea that a dog speaks in perfect English. I just, you know, and then also the artwork um, by Juan Ortiz, this page two, where we have a close up of crypto, those eyes of, of crypto, those are not dog eyes. Those are human eyes that, yeah, that Juan Ortiz yeah. has drawn on yeah. crypto, which makes it even uh, creepier. And then you get at one point where super, where crypto breaks in and he talks to a cat and they yes. talk to each other. I love that. Though. And I'm just like, yeah. what is going on? I'm just like, what's happening? R- Robert Kelly, if you can accept that sugar and spike, I know, speak to each other. I know it makes talk. Yeah. You I be able to acknowledge. That. I am drawing arbitrary <laughs> lines. I understand all that. I'm just saying it's just, I, I I feel like crypto works as a character a lot, either put him in the Legion of super pets and go all the way with it or have him tag along with Superman. But to him in like this urban setting where there's like shootings, it just, I just like, I don't, I don't. Yeah. No. (laughs) Also, I kind of think, I kind of think the odd thing about this story is, and maybe they're not all like this. Again, this is the only one like I really have gotten to so far, but it doesn't seem like crypto is the star of like his own stories. It seems to be like all about Ed and Joe, right, and right, right, Tommy and all of this. So I, I kind of think that adds to it too, like like a little bit of the disappointment. Could be, could be. So yeah, uh, <laughs> so I have not seen the Legion of Super Pets movie that came out last or the yeah that was called Legion Super Pets. It's, it's I, I would say it's good, like a good, good. Like it's not like fantastic. It's not horrible. I, I didn't hate it. Okay. Um, it's it's definitely not like our Legion of Super Pets. It's right, like right, right. Creation, but it's, right because it's, it's like a it's bat dog, a, and right, it's yeah, worth yeah. a Sunday after if it's raining Sunday afternoon. Put it on. Okay, fair enough. Uh, all right, so let's move on to Jimmy Olsen in whatever happened to the Guardian by Tom DeFalco, Kurt Schaffenberger, and Frank Ciaramonte. Jimmy and the Newsboy Legion go to find Speedy, 
Green Arrow's old partner, so they can ask him about his connection to Jim Harper, a.k.a. The Guardian. The Legion is attacked by a horde of Jimmy clones, while Jimmy learns from Speedy that Roy is the nephew of the Guardian. After another attack of the clones, Jimmy, Speedy, and the Newsboy Legion head to Metropolis <laughs> to investigate the DNA project, the source of the clones. So I'm just going to start. I, I want to find out what you think of this, but I, I'll say this right, right off the bat. As a kid, I did not like Jimmy Olsen as a character. I didn't like his solo stories. I just thought this guy's a dork. I don't like it. I'll let me read anything else. Now that I am older, I kind of love the Jimmy Olsen stories mm-hmm. because they are so goofy mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. partly due to Kurt Schaffenberger, his work is so perfectly realized and, and like this wonderful blend of realistic human anatomy, but also cartooniness mm-hmm. that these, yep. I feel like Jimmy Olsen is just its own thing and they operate by its own rules and in that context, now I love them. So a couple of things. Uh, I always love Jimmy Olsen when he's not wearing his green blazer and the bow tie. Okay. <laughs> I, I like when he outgrows that. Um, I love that uh, the clones look like Jimmy Olsen from like 1955. <laughs> and then like, the old Jimmy Olsen looks like, you know, from 1978. They've got the buzz cut. They look like Jack Larson. You know, yeah. the Jack yeah. Larson's uh, Jimmy Olsen. Yeah, it really does. Um in this story, I love uh, the newspaper. The, the, the only thing I don't like about the newspaper is that it's just like you can't read the stories. Like, mm. It's just these flat lines. But like, I love the fact that like, because it says like Newsboy Legion aids Teen Titans, Fame Splasher Twins snared. And that like <laughs> is like that's what happened the previous issue. Uh, and again, like I haven't read, but I'm assuming like the human cannonball collides with Copter by Lois Lane, uh, Underhill cleared crypto, Nab's real killer. I think there's probably are stories that happened in the previous like issues. So I love that's a nice that, touch that carryover. Um, now in the story though, like getting like deep into the weeds of the story, this really like, so, uh, Jimmy Olsen goes to this music festival <laughs> where great frog, is great frog. So, Right there, like from a one out one out of ten rating it, it's probably like a twenty-three, because anything that Great Frog is in, that's <laughs> like I love Great Frog. But this absolutely does not make sense because he, he says like in order to read up meet up with Roy Harper Speedy, make an appearance at the music festival and then go to Carmel to meet me. So what's the point of going, and don't get me wrong, because I'm glad the music festival happens, because I get to see Great Frog, but what's the point of going to the music festival? Yeah. I just don't understand that at all. Can't you just call him? Like, why, <laughs> yeah, exactly. why do I have to, like, go all this way? Like, yeah. Call him. The other thing, which, so this is going to make me sound morbid, but I love the fact that on story page seven, the first panel at the top of the page is the <laughs> Guardian Get, first of all, it's not only, like it's the Guardian getting shot in the chest <laughs> in a code-approved book. Kapow, 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 kapow. <laughs> then the panel says, but superheroes aren't noted for collecting social security. <laughs> One day, Harper's <laughs> luck ran out. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you get uh, you get social security at 65, and the average superhero's age is uh, 37. So yeah, that is kind of a it, it's even drawn by Kurt Schaffenberger. It still has a violence to it because you see, 
guardian taking taking them right in the chest you know so yeah <laughs> and then like on another violent point um story page nine the last page of the story uh like you see the bad jimmy clone standing over jimmy prime and he's about to kill him and then like you see this funk and jimmy's jimmy clone's eyes are like super wide open and then your eye goes to the next panel and you see speedy with a bow and because jimmy clone's eyes are open you think he shot him in the back with an arrow right. right now of course it's a boxing glove arrow but i think the difference is like i really think like his eyes should be closed if he was like hit by a boxing glove right right yeah yeah, yeah open <laughs> where it looks like he's been murdered speedy's like oh the hell with it you know <laughs> <laughs> what the hell it's a difference it is kind of funny to have a character for for so many of us that are associated with kind of like the adult turn that superhero comics took, you know, right, yeah, my, my, my yeah. junior partner's a junkie. And here he is wandering into like the most kid friendly stories, guardian shooting ex- accepted, you know, kind of this very kid friendly corner of the, the DC universe. Speaking of something though, not quite as, as kitty friendly is we have this great panel of, um, two members of the newsboy legion that are just killing time under a tree and they're distracted by a girl that walks by in uh, like a halter top and short shorts and kurt schaffenberger does wally wood you know one up Mm -hmm. because of the the girl's proportions i mean it is really like she's got like her her measurements would be like 42 22 32 i mean it's absurd how kind of pneumatic she is and the only reason i mentioned is because you've got the two members of the legion kind of like looking at her doing the whole thing and it's just again drawn by kurt schaffenberger it's like he's got such a squeaky clean style and yet he's drawing murdering he's drawing kind of like sex (laughs) like he's got a lot of stuff going on here yeah if if this were drawn by a i don't want to say a real artist but yeah kind of like 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 he he definitely has like an animated cartoony in in the best way because I love that style. Yeah, it makes it it makes it much more I don't want to say palatable, much more innocent, like not yeah. as yeah. It's really fun. I I enjoy like you said. I'm I'm old. I'm down with the Jimmy Olsen now because they're just goofy and they're just their own little thing in the DC universe. I mean, they mm-hmm. obviously that he's interacting with the Guardian and the Speedy. And they're they're but it's just they feel of a piece. And so now I enjoy them a lot when as a kid, I just was like, ah, these are silly. I don't want to read these. So, um, so, okay, well, let's move on to Superman. Actually, Superman is in Superman family. Strangely enough, uh, this, <laughs> this story is called, uh, my father, Superman by Jerry Conway, Kurt Schaffenberger. Here he is again. And inked by Tex Blaisdell, my old instructor at the Joe Kubert school. Uh, Superman uses a machine in the fortress of solitude to simulate what would have happened if Krypton had blown up before he was born. According to, <laughs> that's grim. According to the simulation, Superman's grandfather and Lara's father, Forvan, uh, would be the only two to predict Krypton's doom. So they would build a ship so their children, Jorel and Lara respectively, could escape and travel to Earth. Baby Jorel would then be adopted by the Clarks and be raised alongside their young daughter, Martha, and Lara would be adopted by the Kents. All right, Sean, what did you think of this? <laughs> I can sum this up in three letters. Ugh. <laughs> that, that was U-G-H, just in case it didn't, in, in case my reading didn't bring it across. Ugh. It's like, I, like I, I'm, I almost want to say, what's the point? 
And I don't mean, I don't mean that, I don't mean that because it's an imaginary story because Superman has had fantastic imaginary stories. You had Superman Red and Superman Blue. You have the death of Superman. Like both of those are like great stories, but this is just like, why? Like, what's the point? And, and at first I kind of thought it's almost going to be like a, 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 the world of Krypton. Which when, so when I collected the digest, that was one of them. And when I got it to finish the collection, I thought, oh, these stories are going to be dumb. But I did like reading those. Like those stories were cool and neat. And this, there is literally, there is literally only two things that I like about this story. And both of them are on the same page. And that's the first page. So when those two highs happen and you have like, whatever, eight more pages to go through. So I love that Superman has a giant dinosaur. In his fortress of solitude, <laughs> you're nothing in the DCU if you don't have a giant dinosaur in your in your because, cave. Uh, so, growing up, my brother Rib had a friend. Oh, well, I guess I can't name him, but he, he had a friend because I'm going to kind of smack talk him. So, my brother had this friend, and anytime my brother got something, this friend got it. So, whatever. If if Rib got a bow and arrow, then this friend got a bow and arrow. If okay whatever rib got a weightlifting set then this friend got away like he always copied him so i'm thinking like superman really copied batman with a giant dinosaur <laughs> i have a giant nickel in my game. okay <laughs> now the, the other thing i absolutely love is so superman puts on like his vr goggles and it's the computer probability simulator and he talks about like um i've used it before like what if what if krypton had never exploded and the next, the next bubble is, and later, if we'd married and had sons a few years ago. Now, obviously, this was in 1978, and your mindset wasn't necessarily that Superman and Batman would be married. <laughs> now, now that is possible. So I absolutely love that. Like, and, and later, if we'd married, because it doesn't say anything if we'd married women. Just, right, like, right. We'd married and had sons. <laughs> I hadn't even thought of that, but you're right. They would have to put that qualifier in nowadays, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so now I guess we can talk about the rest of the story, but I only ha- have really like one other thing to say closer to the end of the story. So you, you can carry the load for the next page. <laughs> all right. Well, there are, there are a couple of things. First of all, when I was doing a quick scan of the book, right? I was just initially. Uh, because I don't, this is not a mountain comic that has managed to last over time. Like I, you know, at some point I just disappeared from my collection. So I, I went in and, and got a copy, you know what I mean? And so I'm, I'm looking through it and like, I, again, I was just initially just scanning through the pages really quickly to kind of pick which ones I wanted to put up on the gallery post. And I forgot the dollar comics don't have ads. But this initial page of the Superman story looks like a hostess ad. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because it's got his logo right at the mm-hmm. top. And like, yep. so he just went, Oh, look at that. Superman's in a hostess ad. And then I was like, Oh, wait, no, no, no. That's part one of the story. Okay. Because the title page is the second page. So it would just be, but if you mm-hmm. don't look really quickly. So there's that. Two, um, as we see even today, they have not figured out a way to make VR goggles not make you look <laughs> stupid. So that technology will never go anywhere <laughs> until designers figure out that you don't look like a dork wearing these helmets. Because even Superman with these glasses looks kind of silly with these VR glasses. So there's that. Three, doesn't Superman have anything else to do than to sit back in his cave 
and watch depressing simulations of what would like, dude, get over it. I mean, crypto blew up a long time ago. Like you're like, how many, like, I know for a fact that your cousin is dealing with an anti-gravity guy. Uh, help her out. Like, what are you doing? Like, she's like, he has nothing else to do but sit there. I mean, this would really be like the same story would be Batman has some, some, a simulation in the vacuum. Let me see what my life would have been like had my parents not been killed. Like, all right already. Like, it just feels so strange. And then the story ends with him being depressed. Then he watched this. I'm like, well, who made you watch it? You did it. Like, what? It really, I mean, it really was like, what was the point of all this? So I don't know this for sure, because, but I'm thinking the the very last page, like in the middle panel, I'm going to say that there are tears in the corner of his eyes. I think maybe there are, because that way we can say that Superboy was crying in the first story. Oh, crypto, wow. was cry- crypto was crying in his story. Superman is crying in his story. <laughs> This is one mopey issue of Superman family. Yeah. <laughs> I just also, I also loved it. The detail of, um, at the, at the top panel of that, that last page that you mentioned, you see the, the, uh, the Clarks and their car and like they are driving like a model T, <laughs> which just sets this story and like, wow, when did Superman, when did baby Jarrell and Laura land? Like in 1915? Like how far away? How far back is this? Yeah. It's, Again, I'm not knocking this in any serious way. It's fun. It certainly looks nice. I like uh, Tex Blaisdell inking Kurt Schaffenberger. I mean, I prefer Schaffenberger inking himself, but Blaisdell does a does a nice job. And I'm always happy to see his name because I have such just fun memories of him. I love uh, Jor-El uh, knocking over a bunch of Krypton goons with his head. Like, that's funny. Just barrels into them like a football player. So that's fun, but yeah, it's just, a, it just makes Superman look kind of dopey that he would, he would do this to himself and then walk away depressed. Like, okay, go, go do something with your time, Superman. So, so there you some go. are fun at the cabin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I often would put a simulation up and, and watch how <laughs> my life would have been altered if I'd not made this decision or that decision. Had I not. Answered that email from Shag that one day. <laughs> what my life would have been like. So, uh, do you want to move on to Lois Lane, or did you have something else you wanted to mention about this story? No, we've taken. If if this segment was three minutes, we took two minutes and fifty seconds more than it should have. All right, <laughs> fair enough. Okay, so now we get to Lois Lane in the Hand of Death by Tom DeFalco, Win Mortimer, and John Salardo. Lois Lane is following a tip that she got about a U.N. conference in Metropolis that someone wants to stop. She's waiting in a quiet street corner for her source when three goons try to kidnap her. Lois uses her training in Klukor to make quick work of them, (laughs) while her supposed backup, the quasi-superhero named the Human Cannonball, arrives late, providing no help, much to Lois's scorn. The trail leads to a nightclub where some associates of the would-be kidnappers grab Lois, knock out the human cannonball, and bring them both in front of a one-armed madman named the Butcher, who wants to expose all of the U.N. to a cancer ray on behest of someone named Adam. After the Butcher leaves, Lois knocks out her guard, calls Superman, who stops the Butcher just before he can execute his plan. As the Butcher is dragged away, he screams that no one will be able to stop Adam. Lois wonders, who is Adam? To be continued. All right. So, what did you think of this show? Um, I think it's I think it's like good. Okay, okay, good. Um, 
my memories of like the Superman family issues that I had, I think my two favorite features were Mr. and Mrs. Superman and Lois Lane. Um, I, I like the Lois Lane stories, like where she's a reporter and she's putting it together, that kind of thing. Now, I do remember thinking like hating the fact that in so many of these kind of like earlier Lois Lane stories, she's saddled with this human cannonball character because he's like a drip. And well, he's a total dork. And it's I kind like, of like yeah. they were trying to make him happen, I guess, but like, like it's a dumb outfit. Uh, and let me tell you, like for a man to be wearing pink thigh high boots and me saying it's a bad <laughs> costume, that's a bad thing. Cause pink high thigh boots, that, that should be like a number one on my checklist, but like that dumb helmet and like the CB logo, like ugh, it's just, ugh. And like this story, I think is okay. Um, but and again, it's kind of tough because it's like the middle part of a story. And that's the other thing. Like, I'm really surprised, like how many of these stories are like middle parts of stories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder what I I don't remember, but I wonder what I thought of it when I was a kid. You know, buying this book kind of as a one off. You know, and being like, oh, I'm in the middle of all these stories. You know, I don't know. I don't. I don't recall buying any more Superman family. So I guess I wasn't terribly inspired to keep going with them all. Um, I will say this. Uh, this was probably my favorite story mm-hmm. in the whole book. Um, I don't, I, I'm not a huge fan of Superman coming in to save the day. I mean, it's natural. It's Lois Lane. Why would you not call in Superman at every moment? But I feel like if you're going to give Lois Lane her own strip, make it Lois Lane strip. Don't, don't bring in the God at the end right. to kind of just, especially when, you know, the butcher is hardly like a big villain. It's not like it's Brainiac or Bizarro or something. But that said, uh, I love that Tom, I, I love the human cannonball because I think Tom DeFalco is totally using it for comedy. He's a complete dork and I love it. I love that he looks like a dork. He acts like a dork. He, at one point, he's supposed to be Lois's backup, but then he's like basically not paying attention. I think he falls well, asleep. Yeah. Does he fall asleep? Right. And then, so Lois hands it all herself. Thanks to Klukor and uh, which they even mentioned in a, in a caption of what Klukor is. And I love that. He's like, um, she's like, what, where were you? And he's like, something came up and she's like, I wish you'd go up in smoke. And then he responds with, you shouldn't joke like that. Lois. I'm very sensitive. I love, I love that. He's just, he's just stupid he's just a dumb guy and i love that tom defalco uses it i think completely for comedic effect that he is this when you are a superhero daring to set up shop in metropolis i think that city's kind of covered <laughs> yeah really. uh you can't help but be i mean you know short of like maybe the guardian or what was it blockbuster who they brought in obviously much later in the burn era, oh, yeah, burn yeah. Ordway era. but i mean you you're just you're setting yourself up for to, for a fall, and so I like the comedy of it. I like that Human Cannibal is just an idiot, and he is no help. Lois has to do everything, and I love she's openly scornful of him. Uh, the artwork is okay. I'm never I when Mortimer and John Salardo like individually, I'm not a huge fan of, but together they kind of have a nice, it's kind of a nice you know sort of look, and it, it looks more like um a romance comic, which. You know, it features yeah. Lois Lane, so it's kind of yeah. But, but I, I don't know. I really enjoyed the comedy of it. Of just, it reminds me of a '70s cop show. You know, like a Lois Lane, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if she was the '70s, with some just dork ass comedy. And and so that I, I really enjoyed. What I guess the theme of the issue is crying and great splash pages. And 
Lois Lane literally is a literally splash, splash page. page. Yeah. Yes. But I, I love that image, like the, the, the guy falling into the water and you see yep. him breaking the surface tension, like the boom. But yeah. the one thing I kind of like, I kind of don't understand. She says, um, like, so she's fighting off three guys and she's like, Buster, those are fighting words. Bet you wouldn't last around with the black canary. <laughs> what? Who would? Like, <laughs> like that should have been worded. Like she should have, she should have said like, you're not going to last around with me because I've been trained by Black Canary. Like that makes more sense to me than because like who who could go up against Black Canary? <laughs> they are just regular goons, you know. Yeah. Um. Something else I didn't mention is this character Adam, that is sort of the mastermind mm-hmm. behind this. Adam appears in the Jimmy Olsen story. Yeah, as like, well, which is nice. I like, I like they're they tying that, it all yeah. in. That's yeah. cool. So and yeah. then like I thought it too. It's it's neat that um the villain of this issue, the butcher, I think he looks like Simon Stagg. He does, yes. Especially like on page six where you get the upshot of his like tufts of hair. Yes, he absolutely does. Uh, and he's got that robot hand. Yeah. Uh, which is like, a, you know, I, yeah, I, I thought this was really quite, quite charming. So I, I dug it. I dug it again. Superman showing up is the only small mind. Even then he doesn't really do that much. He kind of just breaks in, stops the ray from going off and then leaves the story at that point. And Lois gets the drop on him and kicks him and stuff. So, uh, but yeah, I thought this was, I, I, I kind of want to see what happened to human cannibal. Cause he is just such a lovable loser. So, uh, it was great. I'm glad you framed it that way because now, like as I read it each issue and when I get to that, I will think that instead yeah. of like, he's a hero. That's not good. I'm he's wearing a crash helmet for God's sakes, you know, he's <laughs> just it's an idiot. So it was great. I didn't know Tom DeFelco, you know, had that humor in him necessarily. So it was good stuff. So. All right, let's do the last story. All right. Nightwing and Flamebird in the ordeal of Akvar. Akvar wakes up to find himself imprisoned and the victim of a brainwashing session to make him believe that his best friend Van Z hates him and is trying to kill him. Meanwhile, Van Z is trying to find out what happened to Akvar. Spoiler alert, he neither hates him nor is he trying to kill him. We get a flashback showing us how Akvar came to be captured. Then we get some supervillain one-on-one planning. And then the best part of the story... Nightwing going to a ne'er-do-well hangout bar, roughing up everyone in the place. He gets the info from the dumpiest-looking man in the place, and then we switch back to Akvar, and another flashback about how Akvar used to be a criminal, but he wasn't, and then how he fell in love, and now in the present, he falls asleep and has to kill Van Z to become BFFs with a man named the Crime Lord. Ah, <sighs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, Night, Nightwing and Flamebird have never done a damn thing for me. Uh, I remember when we got to the Who's Who listing and I just kind of was like, all right, yeah, whatever. Uh, <laughs> just don't, I don't, I, I feel like they're so, I mean, obviously they're, they want to do it's superhero stories in, in, you know, this kind of, you know, candor ish setting. And, and that's the appeal of it. But I, yeah, this thing has never really totally worked for me. I will say you're getting your money's worth from Ken Landgraf, the penciler. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's one page that has 13 panels. Yeah. You know, I mean, he is, he's, he's got a kind of a proto Paul Glacy kind of look to his stuff. It's not, I'm going to say it's as sophisticated as Paul Glacy, but it's got that he's trying to go for some photorealistic faces here and there. Um, but yeah, these characters have just never done anything for me and they, no, no offense to Paul Coverberg who wrote it. They, they didn't work for me here either. I, I like this story. Now, 
I will say right off the bat, uh, I would love to live in Candor because uh, Candor fashions are like right up my alley. <laughs> Everybody's got uh, sh- super tight shorts. Uh, uh, c- call me Candor. Call me a Candorian because I I want to be in that bottle. <laughs> Is that the bottle city of Candor in your pocket or just happy to see me? <laughs> and actually, now that I'm thinking about it, maybe that's why I hate that Superman story. Because, like, that's on Krypton, and they're not dressed like this. Mm-hmm. So that's probably, like, some of my bias against that story. <laughs> but, yeah, like, the art, I think the art is really great. And especially, like, the, the fight that happens, like, in the low-life bar. Like, I love that. Mm-hmm. That's, like, the Star Wars cantina. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I totally... It's kind of got that kind of feel to it. But, yeah, I just... Again, it's perfectly fine, but it's when you know rereading this issue, I'm like, well, that's interesting. All my favorite stories were kind of the more grounded ones, you know, the Lois and the Jimmy, uh, you know, like they were just more down to earth stuff. And when it gets more fancy Superman or or like more super powered characters that are around him, I just get I get a little like, Meh. I mean, Supergirl, I like Supergirl a lot, but there's just I don't know. I feel like there's just a point where it goes too far, and I thought with crypto. It's too much, and Nightwing and Flamebird, I just kind of rolled my eyes. So, uh, but you know, it's it's fine. You know, obviously, again, it didn't inspire me to keep buying the book, so I must have been like, eh, I'm going to spend my money on Batman Family. This is fine. Now, I would say, like, of all the continued stories, which like all like this, I think I'm the most interested in finding out like what happened in the parts in front of it and what's going to happen behind it. Like, I think that's cool. Um, one thing though that I really like didn't like kind of didn't understand so on page three nightwing goes to like police headquarters and of course like it's krypton so like you know they all have space names like van z and right akvar and all that. but then like he's talking to a guy named don <laughs> <laughs> and like even like it should have been like like maybe D-Y-N or, you know, like something like that. But it's just Don. Just Don. His name is Don. <laughs> From the house of Don. And we all know the big <laughs> big D he has on his chest as his family crest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really thought about that, but yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, like I said, I don't... I, Nightwing and Flamebird, I just... Eh, I don't know. But overall... As a comic, I really enjoyed reading mm-hmm. this again, and I can even remember. It's so funny, the you know, fifty. Good lord, we're talking. This came out in in seventy eight, so we're talking twenty three, twenty thirty five, forty five, forty five years ago. I can still remember where I got this. I remember the store that I got it at. There was a um, you know, I, I've talked a bunch about the newsstands that I attracted and went, uh, went to attended and went to and, and bought a bunch of stuff mm-hmm. but on the way to the cabin. There was a, a lodge called maybe not a lodge, but it was kind of like, um, it was sort of like a country club. It had that thing to it, but it was more, it wasn't like a private club, but it was like, you could rent a boat or you could do this or do that or whatever. And it was called white beauty. That was the brand name. And it was this big store and they had, and you walked into this building and you could, there was a million different things to do. And they had a operating like candy store newsstand mm. in white beauty. And I remember like it would be down a couple of steps. And I remembered my family would, we would stop there and I would immediately run down the steps. And the thing that I liked about white beauty was 
they were more like a bigger newsstand as opposed to a 7-Eleven. You know, 7-Eleven is going to have a spinner rack and that's it. But a newsstand would have tons of stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is the same place that I got my beloved Marvel Treasury Edition number 18, the, the Spider-Man, the Astonishing Spider-Man oh, yeah, you know, yeah. with the orb and all yeah, that stuff, yeah. which I covered on Treasury Cast with Ryan Daly. And so they had everything. And I remembered seeing this comic there. And I was like, oh, cool. I need more comics to read. Let me get this. But it's amazing to me. Again, I... I have people that used to be in my life that whose names I don't remember, but I could remember that I bought Superman Family for one ninety two at White Beauty in August of nineteen seventy eight. That's like six presidents ago. So I don't know. The way the human brain works is a mystery sometimes. And and I and I was I promise I was listening, but like you didn't have to reserve that issue, did you? <laughs> no, I did not. I okay, could just okay, walk okay. into a newsstand okay, okay. and buy it like a normal plea. I was I was not Despite my reputation, uh, I was not a Richie Rich like you, Sean, where I had my parents reserving copies <laughs> of comics for me. I had to just, I had to just go to a store. Hopefully, I could get what I wanted. So, but overall, what did you think of this uh, this issue? I mean, you can it, you can always judge it as a as a piece, or you can just sort of say, ah, eh, three good ones, three bad ones. You know, it's it's kind of a B or whatever. Well, yeah, that exactly. And two, it is. It is definitely unfair for me to judge it because I know I will be rereading it as part of the run. So if anything, I'm looking forward to, you know, like finding out, you know, like the before stories and the after stories for the issue. Right. But even if I would have gotten it, you know, in 1978, I think I still would be impressed with it. Okay. Good. I, I, I am sort of curious to see what happens to human cannibal because I feel like he may be headed for a similar end to that villain, that villain, not villain, the hero, the crusader that Steve Skeets brought into Aquaman and the Aquaman last issue. He brings him in as a superhero and then kills him off in the same issue, just as kind of a dark joke. Uh, he, he trips because he's a uh, poor eyesight and he falls off a roof. Uh, <laughs> and so I feel Ooh. like that's where human cannonball is headed. Like he's, he's a, he's a dork who doesn't know what he's doing and he's playing a dangerous game, getting involved with supervillains. So I feel like, would Superman family go that dark? You know, would they have that? Would Tom DeFalco's going to go that dark? I just feel like human cannibals going to end up getting killed by some villain. And, you know, it's just like, well, he my, didn't really know what he was doing. My guess is he probably just peters out from disinterest. Probably. I mean, most likely. Never, never used again. That's my guess. Never got a who's who listing. Nothing. Uh, Isamu, by the way, get on that. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, that's Superman family 192, everybody. Sean, thank what, you so much. Well, for no, actually, actually, talking um, about it. so I do, if, if it's okay, um, I do have a personal favor to ask of you. Um, Ooh, okay. So I'm going to have to ask that you not tell my bat cousin Paul that you can cover a dollar comic with seven stories in under an hour. <laughs> Please do not tell him that. Okay. He's probably not listening, right? I he only know. listens. Hey, he's busy recording podcasts. Why listen to me if you don't have to? Uh, <laughs> I, well, I mean, part of it is you guys cover the ads that, you know, and he does all the, the creator histories. I don't do all that. Right. I, I'm just kind of like, you know, I, I'll mention text by cell because I get to talk about my reflected glory of being, <laughs> being his student. But uh, Paul's a lot more informative than I am. So that, that makes the show, you know, longer, but I like Batman family reunion and I like it being as long as possible. I like well, the long episode. Well, the great thing is you can listen to an episode of Batman family reunion on the way to the cabin 
while you're at the cabin and on your way home from the cabin. That is true. <laughs> That's right. I could get a whole, I walk, I can walk my dog several times in a day <laughs> and just go through one episode of Batman family reunion. So absolutely. But so uh, I said, we won't mention it to Paul. If, if, if anyone out here listening, don't mention it to Paul. So yeah, shit, everybody. So, well, Sean, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. I mean, everyone already knows, but tell them where you, they can find you here on the network. Uh, you can find me at Batman family reunion. We have our episodes the first Wednesday of each month. Uh, and I absolutely love it. Uh, it's fun. Uh, I laugh more with Paul than I do with a lot of other people. And I really appreciate it. It's a great show. It's truly a great show. I love that it's on the network and I look forward to it every month, uh, when it, when it comes out, everybody. So thank you for listening. Of course, you can subscribe to the show on any podcatcher of your choice. We are on Twitter at FWP Mountain Com. And if you want to support the Fine Water Podcast Network, just go to patreon.com slash FW Podcast, and there you can unlock various rewards, one of which is to be name-checked on a show of your choice. So big thanks to David S. Gutierrez and Gord Tolton for their support of the Fine Water Podcast Network. So that's going to do it, everybody. We will see you next month for the season finale of Mountain Comics. In the meantime, Sean, what's your feelings about Yoo-Hoo? Ugh. It's, it's, it's not as bad as the Superman story in this. But I don't want chocolate water. I want chocolate milk. <laughs> You've been talking to Brett Young, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> so, well, uh, we'll we'll come up with some. We'll find another beverage for you. I don't. I won't make you drink Yoo-Hoo. Just give me my Twinkies. Me. I'm fine with that. All right, fair enough. Okay, we'll we'll do. I'll drink the Yoo-Hoo, and you can have the Twinkies. That sounds good. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening, and we will see you next month. Bye. Have a summer of fun in the Poconos at your host with the most in the Poconos. of summer fun at Mount Airy Lodge or Pocono Gardens. Beautiful rooms, fabulous food, headline entertainment. Winter, spring, summer, fall. Call 966-7210 for reservations at Pocono Gardens and... Beautiful Mount Airy Lodge.